Hello, I am Trey Ratcliffe, and welcome to my rather unusual podcast I call Walk and Talk with Trey. The show is mostly about creativity and consciousness, but the conversation often delves into other far-flung erudite subjects, and there's plenty of silly stuff to balance all that out. All of these were originally recorded on a 360-degree video camera that shoots in 5.7K. I hold it in front of me while I walk and talk with interesting people. You're now listening to the audio version that is more convenient in many situations, but keep in mind, you can always jump over to YouTube and watch the 361 too. It's fun because you can move the camera all around. If you get tired of watching me blab away, just move the camera around and look at all the beautiful scenery around us. Note that the show is ad-free. If you like it, then I have something fun you can do. I have this members-only section of the blog called the Stuck in Customs Passport. You can get there by going to stuckincustoms.com passport. For just the cost of a few cups of coffee per month, you can support the show and get access to over 100 different videos. These are inspirational videos, how-to videos, and filled with all sorts of mind vitamins. My goal with all these things is to spread consciousness and fun and love around the world. Maybe that sounds silly to you, but I hope it doesn't. Anyway, please come subscribe. I appreciate you. Today you get to meet the great Aaron Lammer. I think you're going to like this guy as much as I do. I didn't actually know him at all until we walked the Camino together and I just found it to be so fascinating, and he just seemed to know something about everything. Um, I did listen to one of his podcasts beforehand to kind of figure him out a little bit. You know, I like to figure people out, get in people's brains. That's one of my favorite things. I do it in a very non-judgy way, too. It's just sort of a, a fun thing for me to pick apart people's brains and see how they think. It's just fascinating to me. And he has one of these singular wits, one of these brains that's quite unique. And I listened to one of his podcasts about cryptocurrency which is something I only know a little bit about. And he knows a lot about it. So we talk about crypto and all of his other various things that, uh, that he's into. All right, here we go. Get ready. Set your browsers to stun. That was dumb. Here comes the great Aaron Lammer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to season 12, episode four of Walking and Talking with Aaron Lammer. How are you today, my friend Aaron? Feeling good. Good. Where are we and what are we doing? Well, we're on our way out of Pontevedra. Yes. And I don't know, actually, I don't know what the, where we're going. Yeah, I don't know the names of these towns. I, I, know, I know about our past on this Camino, not our yeah. future. <laughs> like life, eh? Um, but I would say, as compared to our other walking days, we've been uh, in a much more vineyardy area today. You can yeah. see a lot of grapes, and I don't know what these are. Sort of berry-ish things. I had a, I had this. I'm pretty sure he was a gay Jesuit teacher in high school, and he would go, "Those are called China berries." <laughs> <laughs> he talked kind of like Charles Nelson Riley. Anyway. Um, we are on the Camino de Santiago. We're taking the Portugal path, which is about 100 kilometers to the famous pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostola. And we're probably 
about 60% done with the whole trek, would you say? Sounds about right. We're, we're, uh, we're, uh, this will be, we'll be more than 50% at the end of today. Right. And we're here with a group of about eight other ne'er-do-wells. Um, this was all put together, the brainchild of Kevin Kelly, one of our heroes. Great guy. I've already done a few of these with him, so you can... Pick up his book, The Inevitable, on shelves now. <laughs> on shelves now. He's got a bunch of TED Talks, a lot of videos. He's, he's really... What an inspirational guy, huh? An inspirational figure. God dang it. I feel, feel lucky to meet him. And then the people he selects for this walk are pretty cool. I'm enjoying myself, yeah. I didn't, you? you know, I actually didn't realize that... that uh, I didn't realize how people had been selected for this walk until I arrived here. So, in fact, uh, until you said that... I was like, I actually don't know how all these people got here. Because <laughs> I don't yeah. know Kevin. I know, uh, I know right. another one of our walkers. So a little little Kevin Bacon action going on. Yeah. All the way to the people right Hey, oh, kitty cat. Look kid. at that. Thank oh, you. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. Look at that. Do you want to come walk the Camino with us? Oh, you're very kitty sweet. Kid. You're very sweet. I wish I had a snack for you, but I don't. By the way, if this is your first time watching a 360 video, you're probably seeing it on YouTube or Vimeo, you can grab the screen, the rectangle, and move it around. You can grab that cat and play with it <laughs> yeah. in 3D. Stroke the cat. <laughs> uh, so Aaron, when I found out he was coming on this trip, I, you know, I kind of did a little bit of research on everybody. And well, he could tell us more about what he does, but I'll kind of try to give a little poor man's intro. Oh man, now we're back on the road. I knew this. Dang it. Five minutes ago, we were walking through these beautiful vineyards or whatever, but I think maybe 20% of this walk has been along the road, which I don't really like. Yeah, today's been our roadiest day. Yeah. And it's, it's disruptive. It's disruptive oh. of my eternal rhythm. Yeah, so look over there towards the vineyards. Yeah. Anyway, so Aaron is in a myriad of things. He, I think one of his biggest projects and correct me later if I'm wrong, it was uh, longform.org, which is yes. sort of like a New Yorker where they collect many kinds of long-form articles. And that has spawned a podcast, uh, a long-form podcast, where he gets some of the most interesting authors and articles and gets someone to talk about that. He has a second podcast all about pot, is that called stoner? It's about creative people and their relationship with marijuana. All right, okay. And the third one, which is the one I started listening to when I found out he was coming on this trip, is all about uh, cryptocurrency. It's called, it's called Coin Talk. And I listened to about five episodes, and I thought it was great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, as you can see, the uh, operative connection between all of those things is things that I'm way too interested in and want an excuse to do in a professional context, uh, so I uh, I feel like it, it would I, it would be difficult for uh, me to justify the amount of time and attention I spend on both cryptocurrencies and marijuana. Except now I can say it's all work related. All right. Well, um, I'm super interested in cryptocurrency. I don't have a lot, but I have a little bit of Bitcoin and Ethereum. But the, the best thing about his podcast is he's very self-effacing. 
he and his, what's your co-host's name? My co-host is named Jay Kang. He's a journalist. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're kind of a journalist pod, uh, team. And I'd say we're, we may be the most skeptical uh, Bitcoin podcast on the market. I, don't, I wouldn't say either of us are true believers, but I am a believer in experiencing things for yourself. Right. So even, um, even as an early skeptic, I would tell anyone who, who is interested in the topic, if, if you're curious about it, you should just try it. I mean, I don't mean try, like pour your life savings into it. I mean, like right. go buy 10 or 20 bucks worth and put it in the wallet and experience right. this weird moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why, one reason I like your podcast so much is because you and Jay are always talking about how much money you're losing. <laughs> and all the little smaller coins, all the altcoins, and Shit just coins. all the crazy stories that yeah. happen in this industry. It's a great, it's a, it's a great uh, narrative. Yeah. Right now, I see is there a team behind us back there? You see them? Is this gonna screw up your sound too much that we have these cars whipping? No, cars? it's okay. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, how NPR has this amazing background audio of children playing and oh, bells tinkling, and this will be just like cars whizzing like, by. It doesn't seem like quite as pleasant as that, but I see, I see where you're coming from. Are they behind us? I hope so. We're definitely on the Camino. Here, I think up here we go back down. Okay, yeah, we'll go back down and then we can hang out. Hey, man, I hope we get to walk by those trash cans. Oh. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, yeah. Spain. Maybe, maybe we could each jump in the trash can for the camera. <laughs> we'll do like the Spanish surprise and hop out of the trash can. Spanish surprise. Um, so I like that thread between these these three things, and it is a great way to learn about something. Start a podcast, get some guests on, and just kind of. It's a great excuse to email someone and go like, "Hey, would you like to have an intimate hour-long conversation in which I feel comfortable asking you anything without having <laughs> met you?" And people are very, very willing to do that. People of all levels of uh, fame, right. uh, attitude, etc., are generally willing to talk to you. See this uh, shell right here, this yellow shell that points the way to the uh, to Santiago. Let me walk on this side because the mic's in between. And there's these yellow arrows. This is a nice little church. Yeah. Now we're getting back into the good part of the walk. Yeah, there's some cool kind of ship windows on this house. Yeah, portholes. Um, now, of course, I'll I'll point people to your. Your website down below. What is it, real fast? Uh, for which one? Uh, you can there... find. Go to AaronLammer.com. They okay. links to all those, things, so you can find it all there. And uh, and my music song, music I've worked on, is on there too. Right, you do music production too. I forgot about that. You blew me away today when you said that you know Childish Gambino and Kanye and all these people. Bare, barely. Like I've yeah. met those people like three times in my life, but uh, yeah, I but do share credits with some of those people. So yeah, you're involved on that. Uh, you should check out my uh, group, Francis and the Lights. Francis and the Lights. Um, I'm that's my songwriting partner, Francis and the Lights, and I have about six albums on Spotify. Right. What are these people through? Plug the products. Plug the products. You know, um, I think in the last 75 kilometers. We have not passed anybody, but we have been passed. I, I was gonna say, um, are we the like are are we the low? Are we the slowest walkers on the Camino? We, I don't feel like we're be. walking that slow. 
No, I mean, I feel like pretty much everyone that's passed us is at least twice our age combined. I know. I, I, um, I was telling myself, like, that, oh, like, Kevin's a little older. We've got him with us. Like, that's yeah. what we're But actually, even when Kevin is out ahead of me, I just walk slow and <laughs> fall behind. It's me who's slow. Yeah. The weak link of the chain. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to cruisy too and taking I'm, photos. I've always been an ambler, though. Yeah. Like, I, I've, been, I've been criticized and shamed for my slow walking. Yeah. And I'm not going to change. Every now and then, I, I have, hang out with a fast walker. You know, they're just like, not even a normal pace, but like normal pace 1.25. I'm, I, and the shuffle is my natural, my natural walking style. And I feel like it's something they picked up like in a Andrew Carney or Tony Robbins seminar. Like, this is how you be successful. You walk 25% normal than you need to faster than It's normal. strange because I'm actually like an extremely impatient person. Mm -hmm. The only thing I take my time with is walking. That's true. What's the hurry, especially in Spain? Well, also, our, it seems like our um, the, on this trip, we've discovered that um, the mileage estimates we had are based on pure Google Maps uh, <laughs> estimates, not the actual trail we're walking on. Yeah. And which means we have no idea how long these days are, which really makes me not want to walk that fast. Right. The agency that set this thing up for us, they said like the, the path from the previous town to this town is 24 kilometers but they just did a google map like straight shot or like on the road or something we're all these twisty it's gonna be over 30 kilometers i'm sure anyway people that want to get into crypto what would you say don't do it would, <laughs> save you, yourself save yourself would step one be to go to a coinbase.com and open an account uh you know it depends where they are in the world i think that that's what i would say for americans but uh -huh. there's a lot of different options and Europe and I don't even know what New Zealand's um, coin uh, coin exchange of choice is. So I would say, like, if you know someone who has is at least a little into it, just mm -hmm. ask what they did. You know, like right. ask for their their local experience. That's um, what I did. I went to Coinbase, but I went. Oh, is that available in New Zealand? Or you? No, I had to use VPN. a proxy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I yeah. VPN so down. if you know how a VPN works, you, you should go to Coinbase. If you don't know how the VPN works. Uh, figure out what people are doing in your local region. And then so, you know, I guess two of the big ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Tell people what are altcoins. What are altcoins? Well, um, so uh, Bitcoin, uh, it's funny, if you start talking about Bitcoin in like a public restaurant, you can hear, see people's like ears perk up. <laughs> yeah. You can see like like men eating with their wives, like, oh, is there a Bitcoin conversation? <laughs> I, I don't want to change conversations. Um, altcoins, so, you know, uh, Bitcoin is this original concept of a blockchain in which a bunch of entries in the ledger are... Uh, propagated throughout the world on many, many computers, a de decentralized formation. So it's basically a piece of open source code that is executing over time. And once you have that code, um, you could change the code in any way and create a new thing that's a, it, it could be a fork of Bitcoin or it could mm -hmm. just be a, a new coin that builds on the ideas from there, and people have gone pretty buck wild with it at this yeah. point. Uh, 
I actually don't even know what the estimate of how many altcoins there are now. About a thousand? Uh, More than well a thousand? over. I would say probably between five and ten thousand is what I would guess now. Right. Including ones that are like dead or barely existed in the first place. Right, and the idea is that you they're kind of like currencies around the world, like you can trade dollars for euros, for yen or whatever. You can do the same thing in these systems. You can yes, buy a, a bunch yes. of altcoins or whatever. Yeah, they all they, they trade against each other and I'd say that the the primary division between um, like if I were to sort the projects into two camps. Yep. Um, there's projects that are trying to make internet money. Bitcoin is internet money, and there's trying projects that are trying to make programmable money. Mm, right. And Ethereum is programmable money. Right. And I would say I can't think of a altcoin off the top of my head that doesn't fit into one of those two boxes. Right. So probably the the easiest way to learn about it would be to ignore all of that and learn about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And not because I think they're the best things that could ever be made, but because right. they were the first popular example of those two ideas. Right. And therefore, they contain the most accumulated history of iterating on that idea. Right. Um, all right, let's, let's end with this, this one thing. Why make the, make the case for Bitcoin? Because you do it... Because you, you started as a total skeptic, yeah, uh, which is a great way to like basically live life, be skeptical yes. at everything. But you were like really skeptical. Yeah. And slowly, how many coin talks have you done now? I think I, we uh, just posted 45, I think. 45, you do them yeah. every week? Yeah, one or two yeah. a week, yeah. So about a year ago, full skeptic, and now you've come around. Yes. And now you're quite bullish. So it's funny, it's, all, one year anniversaries are happening of all these things I remember uh -huh. from last year, and it feels like 40 years ago. I mean, <laughs> it, it moved very, very fast. It's on a uh, steroid life cycle. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you yeah. off. What was the no, question? no, what has, now, now what is your pitch for Bitcoin? Oh, for, what is for, my pitch? For the skeptics, if you could travel back in time and tell the, the younger, more innocent yes. Aaron from 40 weeks ago, what would you say to him to convince him? To save him 40 well, weeks of pain. I mean, I would actually say if you're skeptical or you think this is dangerous or scary, just don't do it. Like, follow your natural curiosity. Certainly there's no reason everyone should participate in at least it, it, this all this stuff is like in the era of computing. I don't know, did you like sign on to like bulletin board systems? Oh yeah, I used BBSs. We used to phone freak to so, Germany to get stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is we're at that stage of history. Right. We're not at the stage of history where we're like competing with the Googles and consumer startups of America. People are speculating as if that might happen, but that doesn't mean that if you try this, you're gonna have an experience like logging into Facebook. Right. In fact, you're going to have like a difficult, confusing experience with almost no FAQs. Perhaps. So part of the reason I think that I've gotten into it over the year, last year is that I've spent many, many hours getting through all of that stuff to get to a point where I'm able to just basically understand what I'm getting myself into, which right. I didn't understand that. Um, what attracts me to it is probably not what attracts most people to it. Right. Um, I 
have sympathies with certain libertarian viewpoints, mm-hmm. but mm, I have a lot of criticisms of them too. I don't know, you seem like someone whose libertarianism is. I'm pretty important. hardcore libertarian. Yeah. yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is your feelings on libertarianism are probably going to affect how you view coins because you're basically taking a money system that's government based mm-hmm. and taking it and making it internet based. Right. And that has all sorts of rippling repercussions if you imagine that it's Google or, or you know, a giant company being made. If you imagine that whole economies are gonna run on that. Um, that's a totally different way to run the world. And I think generally we are moving into a world where people will trust the internet more than they trust governments. I, I agree with you. I, I think that there's, you know, if we were, um, if we were doing like an epic sex hour cast, yeah. I would talk about other things in the world that I think are sort of moving in this direction. Right. But it allows and, us... And, and also, I would say that maybe you, maybe you kind of, maybe you don't really trust governments, but you kind of trust banks. Yeah. But they're really tied together so closely in every yes. country. Yes. They are just, they're kind of the same thing. I think generally a lot of people don't trust the big banks totally either. Right. right. And I will say I trust in the basic sense, my bank, despite some of the bad things they did during the American financial crash, but I happen to live in America. I might feel differently were I Venezuelan um, and experiencing hyperinflation. So the whole world is not on a flat playing field. And Bitcoin and coin projects play on the surface of the whole world instead of a specific country is a really different take right on the idea and once you start imagining separating money from the state mm-hmm. you can imagine separating all sorts of things from the state you can say hey maybe i'm not where i was born maybe i'm a free agent maybe mm-hmm. um maybe i should seek this like a consumer and decide what country i want to live in based on what they offered me bien camino um and you can that was like um the 19th encounter we've had where someone says something to me that i don't understand right i thought he was trying to clarify my pizza order (laughs) um so i think it allows us to imagine a future under which people organize themselves really differently Mm. than they currently do and you know you live in new zealand so you're further away from this stuff but in america we have a president who's saying no more new people in this country. No mm. one can come here. In fact, if anyone does come here, they're hurting you. And th- that's yeah. a viewpoint I strongly disagree with. And if- I've always thought it should be completely the opposite. And in fact, company or countries should try to recruit citizens the way companies recruit employees. Like come yeah. to come to Korea. Yes. We're going to give you two gigabits of internet. This is going to be your tax system. We'll give you roads. This is what healthcare looks like. And And so, and then you get to choose. You're being recruited. Right. And that sort of idea becomes a lot more realistic if your money is totally portable and it's not tied to your national identity. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, it calls into question, what exactly is your national identity at that point? Is it your passport? Is it where you're born? Is it where you bank? Um, These are the kinds of like questions that I see coming and I think it also allows us to, because because it's an international 
currency and an international movement, it allows you to imagine other potential international yeah. movements like political ideas that right. could spread across countries, not to be simply locked right. within um, the current state of where you happen to be living right. at it, that moment. Once you start thinking about this this idea that the money is not part of the state, yeah. and you start, to, you start to realize, and I mean, this sounds like a bad way to use the word slavery in this way, but you are essentially a financial slave of whatever country you happen to be in whatever country you were born in and you know I'm super happy to pay taxes but I want to pay taxes in the country where I'm living yeah and in the services which I'm using And you've made an unusual choice in your life um, in that you reside in and pay taxes not in the country of your birth um, right. that's quite difficult I mean it sounds like it's quite difficult for you probably but for other people it could be even more difficult or impossible mm -hmm. to leave the country of their birth. I don't think of the bank, the money as you being a slave to it. I think of it as another part of your national identity mm. is your American bank. I mean, you're literally treated quite differently, whether you have an American bank account or mm. a bank account in a different country in the same way that passports are treated differently. People aren't allowed to move freely around the world with certain passports. They're all things that we take for granted as holders of American right. passports. So Anyway, sorry, I keep interrupting. Go on with your, your defense of Bitcoin. But So you said that you were a libertarian and I said yeah. that I struggled with parts of libertarianism and the parts I struggle with are that it doesn't seem like a framework for people to help each other improve their lives in the world. And so Bitcoin or crypt crypto in general being a, a thing that ties people together outside of their national identity seems like to me it also has the opportunity to be an alternate way for people to organize themselves. And before you can organize yourself and get any power, you, you usually need to have your finances in order. Um, so probably the thing I like the most about it is the sort of narratives it makes me imagine about the future of humanity. It doesn't necessarily mean I literally expect all those narratives to come true, but yeah. I think there's probably a value to imagine them now. It's those Irish gals again. Hello, Ireland. How's it going? They were at our hotel last night. There's a big group of people coming through. Well, we might be slow, but we're faster than our group so far. So yeah, I'm, saying I'm something. a little worried how much faster. Yeah, maybe we'll just hang out here for a minute and finish our discussion. Oh, there's an ambulance going. Well, that's not Pick up one of our people, maybe. Can I ask a counter question? Yeah. Why did you buy those few Bitcoin and Ethereum? What, were you, what was going through your mind when you bought them? Oh, it's, it's, well, you know, money is a fiction, right? I. I had just recently read Sapiens we, we and Holodeus. We have, we have a um, tradition on the podcast that uh -huh. anytime someone says money is a fiction, yeah. we insert a bong rip sound effect. <laughs> or if you say yeah. like, money is just, you're just yeah. imagining money, yeah. man, then you also get a bong rip sound effect. Sorry, continue. <laughs> That's good though. And then same with um, a meter. A meter doesn't actually exist, but it makes it convenient. Sure. For an hour, doesn't really, you can't see it or touch it, but it makes it convenient to meet your friends at the pub at 5.30. So we have these fictional constructs that we all agree on that allow strangers to co cooperate. And so 
the newest kind of money appears to be uh, you know the digital cryptocurrency. It's only getting bigger. Yep. I mean the the genie's out of the bottle. Yep. And not everyone believes in it yet. Like yep. like 100% of people believe in the US dollar and the euro. 10% of people might believe in Bitcoin. I don't know, but you said something like 6% of Americans have Bitcoin right now. That's what's been reported. So maybe yeah. 6% of people believe in Bitcoin and yeah. 1% of people believe in the Venezuelan bolivar. There are right. certain things, yeah. there are, it's now yeah. past certain right. things at the bottom of the currency. I see Kevin way down there. Um, by the way, after Kevin gets up here, we're gonna record part two of uh, it looks like maybe our They're group sitting down. stopping over there. Should yeah, we, should we scroll back. back towards it? We'll get, a, we'll get some extra, get an extra kilometer out of this. Yeah. Um, one of Kevin's ideas is to build like uh, the forever library. So lots of people get together and build their own library on top of this mountain in Nevada. It's hard to explain. Watch that thing to find out more. Um, but anyway, so of these 6% of Americans that have bought it, I know a lot of them. I know what kind of people these are. They're um, like a lot of tech entrepreneurs, of course. A lot of smart economists. More and more the, Wall Street people are buying it. I think the it. technical term is dorks. <laughs> dorks, yeah. Well, you know, people that are generally smarter than me and seem to be onto this stuff, they're doing it. And so they don't believe it's a fiction. They think it's real. And, and that I think, makes it real. Right, and more and more people are gonna buy into this and it will become more real. And as I buy into it, it becomes more real. Mm -hmm. And so it's gonna become a real thing. And it's only gonna go, well, the, the price is all over the place right now. I mean, who, yeah. who knows if it's a good investment. I'm not putting much. But the price, yeah. I don't think, is what it's, makes it real. I think it's the our mutual belief. Yeah. Like, if the price goes down 50%, me and you might be bummed. I will be extremely bummed. Yeah. Um, but I, if we continue to believe it's real, um, we've kept the uh, we've kept the kept it alive. We've kept it right. as alive as the U.S. dollar. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm very bullish on it. I'm excited. And also, that's the thing I think I like about your podcast is you talk about all these drama and all those stories, and yes. there's so many like crazy things that are happening, just really interesting stories that um, that spring out of this entirely new phenomenon. Yeah, as a as a um, occasional libertarian yeah. skeptic, one of my favorite things to watch uh -huh. is when high-minded libertarian ideals yeah. meet with the cold, hard realities of how people actually interact right. in the world. And I think that's an important lesson in any of these ideologies is like, it's not what you think it is. Like, yeah. these, what this will become is not a, there's not a period at the end of the sentence. It's yeah. actually an ongoing opera right, that, yeah. um, that has all of the, like almost every crypto scam uh -huh. is just like a scam from the 1800s right. adapted for, for the yeah. modern time. So we're also seeing a little bit of a fast forward view through the history of money itself yeah. and all the things people have tried to do with it yeah. and usually failed, but done yeah. some really interesting stuff along the way, yeah. including gold. Like probably the most fun thing for me about this, I'll tie it up, is I didn't really know about or care about the financial system before. Uh -huh. And so learning about this to really kind of get your hands, you have to go back to yeah. shells great. and, and yeah, weird, you know, all of the weird ways people have tried yeah. to keep money. And that's a super, if I could say anything, yeah. that's a super fun history to explore if you're a reader. Here's a quick tidbit, you may know this. You know, people used to be paid in salt. 
Oh yeah. You know, and that's where the word salary comes from. And salt at one point was worth more than gold. That's right. That's right. Good stuff. Okay. Watch this podcast. Listen to this podcast. Amazing stuff. Let's take a break. Go in there and get a beer. Hey.